Welcome everyone to another episode of the Bolt from the Blue podcast. It was a game for us against Brentford and here to talk about it with me, we have the A-team yet again. We have Bernard Deneen. Hi Bernard. Uh, good evening or good morning uh, Mike. Obviously I, can't, I can never remember with you, obviously whether it's morning or evening, but uh, I'm well. How are, how are you this, this wonderful morning? Absolutely fantastic. Yeah, we're nine hours ahead, so it's six o'clock in the morning. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> but, um, yes, indeed, it's uh, it's um, it's another uh, very valuable win. We've also got uh, Colin Savage. Colin, how are you doing? Good. Yes. Uh, I say it's nearly. Um, but it is Friday for you as we're recording this. Nearly Friday for me. So um, that's good. Mm-hmm. And as you would expect, and. Uh, hope for we've also got Ray from City Fan TV on YouTube. How are you doing, Ray? Hey, I'm doing uh, very, very well, thank you. Very well, very busy, and uh, yeah, I like to be busy, so uh, it makes me very happy. Okay, well, guys, uh, this was a game against Brentford, and um, despite how many goals that they uh, have been shipping, um, actually, they're a difficult opponent for us, and you may remember that, of course, in the last game when we narrowly. Uh, beat them uh, 1-0 from a 16-minute goal by Phil Foden. Um, they are the bees, the worker bees, and uh, they proved to be certainly in the first half as well. And we're going to talk about this. We're going to start off talking about the li- the lineup. I'm just going to very quickly read it to you. We've had Aderson, Cancelo, Laporte, Diaz, Stones. We had uh, Rodri, KDB, Bernardo, Foden, Sterling and Mares. And, of course, um, the interesting uh, thing of, about this was... Um, uh, there was no Walker uh, or Grealish, and, and some people were speculating, um, was that perhaps to do with their um, interesting night out, which received a lot of publicity. So uh, we'll start off um, with um, Colin and uh, and ask you what you thought about the, the lineup for this game. Well, it was an interesting one, wasn't it? Because, um, uh, you know, we saw Stones, Ruben Diaz and Laporte in there, and of course Cancelo, uh, and the debate... We were having a in our area pre-match was was Stones going to be the right back or was Laporte going to be the left back with Cancelo at right back? Um, so so that was an interesting one. Gundogan uh, again doesn't get a start, which which is interesting. But um, you know you can hardly complain about Rodri, De Bruyne, and Bernardo Silva in there. Mares, Foden, Sterling, yep, that's fine. But so the interesting thing was at the back, and of course, as we as we saw when they lined up, it was Stones at right back. Indeed, that was very interesting, and, and he performed very well. I thought we'll get on to that um, uh, later. Um, but uh, what were your thoughts then, uh, Bernard? Yeah, I mean, I think I think as Colin was saying there, that the interesting thing with Walker, obviously, I was checking with people today on various various social media things, and obviously, has Pep already got one eye on the Champions League? Is he is he already trying out the formation he's going to play in the first leg against uh, Sporting Lisbon by not playing Walker? Because I I think we said last week I, I thought Walker would play every game now that wasn't the Champions League because with him being banned. So yeah, that, that I thought well he's either left on the naughty step because of his because of his night out, but then again why was Mares playing? Because Mares was apparently out with uh, Grealish as well. So I thought well no it can't be that. So yeah I think there is a little point in. In the fact of someone saying he, he could be looking at the lineup he's going to play in that very important first leg against uh, Lisbon, and I, I think we had a, a sort of foretaste, perhaps, of, of what was to come. Well, um, I think you you you, uh, you obviously uh, heard about uh, the way that uh, Pep fielded the question about that um, 
media-driven uh, controversy where he, um, he his only complaint that was he he wasn't invited to to um, the drink up. Um, <clears throat> so um, uh, funny uh, there. And um, what did you think about that, uh, uh, Ray? Were you surprised that Kyle Walker was not uh, not so much Grealish, but uh, Kyle Walker wasn't started? Well, it's the same as Bernard said last week. We we thought you know uh, Walker would play the league games. Because uh, and, and just play all of the league games, um, no messing about with him because he wasn't playing the Champions League. But as soon as the lineup came out, I, I, I tweeted that Walker had been dropped. <laughs> I don't think people like that, but he had. You know, if Walker hadn't been sent sent off in the last Champions League game, it was against Bruges, um, then he'd be he'd have played last night. So um, for me, uh, immediately that lineup came out. I said Walker's been dropped, and. Um, uh, you know, Pepe's trying out whatever formations. Uh, you know, it may be the game at the weekend. We might have Cancelo on the right and Zinchenko or Laporte on the left. You know, maybe Pep will try different things. And I'd be a bit surprised because we've got a game on um, Saturday evening, isn't it, against Norwich? And we've got the Champions League just uh, uh, three days later. So I think Walker will be back. But Pep, you're right, Pep has to try something. You know, you can't just turn up to the Champions League with someone who's not played right back uh, like John Stones or suddenly throwing um, uh, Zinchenko or uh, Aki or Laporte at left back, you know, it's quite sensible in a game like this to, um, you know, mix it up, try something different and see if the players can cope. Well, let's talk a little bit about the first half, uh, guys. So, um, obviously, uh, Brentford do well against that, uh, us. We've seen that before. And um, just as we saw before, you know, the massed ranks at the back whenever we got anywhere near uh, their goal. There was not much space between the defence and midfield. Some t- t- statistics here. That's a word I always struggle with. Um, a tw- only, only 25% possession in the first half and only 50% of their passes were completed. I, I did notice that, that about them. They were let down by um, by bad passing. But um, uh, one thing that was interesting for me, I was watching... Um, a, a live stream, stream of this. I don't know much about uh, Brentford's uh, players, but it sounded like an episode of Doctor Who and the Daleks because we had two Daleks, Godos and Canos. Um, and uh, you can't have this strange, this strange country, Godos, Canos, Godos, Canos. I was thinking, what is this? These must be Daleks. But anyway, um, let's talk about um, the first half and uh, we'll go back to uh, Colin and ask you how you thought the, the first half was going before the goal. Um, well, it was a, it was a very strange game. Um, considering when you think about Fulham on Saturday, the game started, both teams started like express trains, you know, could have been five goals in the first 15 minutes. <coughs> and and we, we started, we were very slow. We, we almost playing at half speed and... Um, uh, it, it, it it was a very kind of un-City-like performance in many ways. It was like, I compared it to the game, it was like, you know, we're playing the local primary school, 10-year-olds, and Pepper told them to go easy. Um, there was just no 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 rhythm, no pace. No, no, we, in fact, we weren't even pressing very much, I don't think. Um, I say I only saw the game in real time, but it, yeah, it was a very strange performance for me. Yeah, certainly it was, I think, at least at 30 minutes before we got um, uh, a shot on goal, um, which which does happen sometimes. Um, what did you think, uh, Ray, about this? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the pre- the guys have already said we were slow out of the box. I mean, look, everybody's right. Brentford had so many men behind the ball most of the time. I give them credit. 
they came with a game plan. They stuck to it. Uh, bar for some silly mistakes and on their part, it, they might have got, got away with it. Um, but they were very tight. Whenever we had the ball out wide, they tried to get two men on whoever was there. On corners, they weren't letting us have um, um, a, a short corner routine. They'd have two men out there for every single corner, right on the, the edge of the 10-yard imaginary line away from that the, the corner flag. Uh, we hardly did any short corners because of this. So they'd obviously done their homework. They knew, knew generally if we put, pump the ball into the box, you know, the, the corners are generally very good. Uh, we've got a, a reasonable number of goals from corners this season, but, you know, we, we struggled to beat the first man. We overhit it. We let ourselves get crowded out and, and what have you. So they, they played really well um, defensively. Offensively, they had very little to offer, which is it's a shame um, because when, when they did try and break, they, 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 they caused us problems once or twice, you know, when they put the pressure on us. And we've said it many times before, if teams are just playing like, you know, 10, 11 players behind the ball, uh, not willing to take any risks, then it can be a bit of a turgid, boring game because it's, you know, it's City are just passing it around, waiting for that opening. Uh, mm. And that's as much as on, it's more on the opposition because you can only beat what's out there and, what, what, and play against what they're doing. So, uh, I think, as Colin said, it was a bit sluggish and slow at the start. Uh, I think second half we we moved up a little bit, um, but I, you know I've all, I've said many times I'd like us to start um, with a bit more speed, with a bit more urgency, uh, and get games put to bed quicker than let them drag on into the second half when you're just winning one nil. Mm-hmm. That's right, and, and Bernard, they they did. Um, we we were made aware that they did. Um, you know, from time to time, carry a bit of a threat. Threat. I think in the 23rd minute, it was Ederson was forced to tip over from um, a guy called Jensen. He was offside anyway, but it, it it just underlined that if we don't put our chances away, these things can happen. But I think um, probably you'd agree um, that our best period in that first half, probably on the half hour mark from um, 30th minute through to about 35, we had some uh, some chances. Cancelo, Sterling, Laporte. Um, what did you think about that period? Yeah, it's interesting. Like, I think Colin was saying there, he's not a chance to watch it back and it's difficult when you're there. But I've, I actually watched the game back today as well while I was, I was doing other things, but I was generally watching it. And, and City played quite quite well. It was just the way Brentford played. City were trying to move the ball about, get some space, create space. Uh, Brentford were very, very, very clever. Not very good going forward, but they were very clever in midfield and defence. And, it, and it, was, it was a problem for City. And City actually played better than I thought that first 30 minutes or so. It was 27 minutes before that uh, chance for Cancelo that he, he blazed over, didn't he, after some good work from... Um, Stones, Folder and Mares, and uh, that was 27 minutes into the game. And then Sterling had that spectacular scissor kick, didn't he? Uh, so it was thought by about 33rd minutes, it was starting to find the little gaps because they did work Brentford. It may not look pretty, but we were knocking it about, uh, putting it from left to right, and, and, and Brentford beginning to just tire a little. I think that's where we saw the... That's why from 30 minutes, we started to get the odd opportunity. I mean, Laporte, Laporte had that great chance on 35 minutes, which I thought the keeper had saved initially because it was at our end. Uh, and obviously, it had just gone wide when, when he sort of flashed it across. But, uh, yeah, all credit to Brentford. They played very well. But all, I think I think 
within the constraints of the game. I thought City played quite well that first half hour as well. We were just trying to manoeuvre the ball and get the, you know, just get that little bit of luck perhaps and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, credit to Brentford. But I didn't think, I think City couldn't, we couldn't start at a blazing pace because I don't think Brentford allowed us to, but uh, all credit to him. But I think we'll talk about the goals in a minute. Obviously, you know, it did take us a while, but uh, we, we did get there in the end. Yes, I, I, it, it, it was a very, very good spell from us. And as we saw, as we saw, you say the twenty seventh minute. I, 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 I thought it was the thirtieth minute. But Cancelo um, straight over the bar. I tell you what, uh, you, whenever he lines uh, a shot up, both him and also Rodri, as he did uh, later on, I get quite excited because those guys. Um, normally, when you see a guy steaming in, they're they're just leaning back too much, and you know it's going to end up in Rose Ed. Those guys get very close, and they got very close in this game. Um, on the thirty seventh minute, I think a sign of something that was to come later. A little a little bit of mix up, I think sometimes between uh, Ruben Diaz and Ederson. Those guys need to go and, and have a drink together and talk about things. But um, we should probably move on to the goal because they were t- tiring, uh, as you intimated. Um, and uh, uh, Colin, um, Raheem Sterling's uh, pace began to tell a little bit, didn't it? Uh, yeah, it did. Um, th- I mean, they, they were chasing. Uh, they were very well. I, I don't think they, they you could say they really parked the bus, Brentford, but they were very uh, conscientious in, in chasing and keeping the shape. And that does take it out of them. And uh, there was a few times when, when Sterling um, got, got the beating of the fullback. In fact, um, I'm not sure how that fullback stayed on the pitch. Um, a few people said the referee was good and they didn't notice him, which is a good thing. But there, there was an incident where Sterling got past him and he literally pulled him down with his arms, uh, you know, grabbed hold of him, pulled him down. And of course, we got a free kick, but there was no booking, which there should have been. And, that was and the game, wasn't it? Sorry, right? Colin, that was early in the game. And you got the referees who don't want to give those yellow cards, which are clear but, yellow you know, cards early on in the game. Card because, uh, yeah. you know, it, I don't want to focus too much on the referee, but, uh, you know, if you don't give a yellow card, you, you basically give give the player a free pass to do it again. So, um, I, you know, it was a very blatant thing, but that, that shows how, how Sterling had the beating of, um, you know, that Brentford fullback. Is it Roslev? So, but, but unfortunately, he never did much with it. But then the, the ball got played to him. Um, Again, Brentford failed to clear the lines properly. The ball got played to Sterling, and and, and Rawsleb just went to ground. Sterling was just by the getting to the byline. Whether we do, whether we'd have done anything with it, I don't know. But the, I say the defender went went to ground, took Sterling, and it was uh, you know there was no protest from the Brentford players about the penalty, and they, they knew it was a penalty. But again, it was by you know you, you couldn't even say that was particularly by Sterling using his pace because it, it almost stopped uh, and. Um, it, it wasn't like he forced the Brentford player to make a decision. But, um, you know, they all count, don't they? Um, Ray, that brought up a particular individual record for Sterling that he has... Uh, six penalties for one? Yeah. Do, do you know how many it is? 26. I think it's actually 23, if I read right. correctly. Well, well, if you want to know the actual number, you need to speak to Mr. Richard Keyes, because he was uh, <laughs> whinging um, on, on social media, on Twitter, that, um, you know, Sterling uh, basically said Sterling's a cheat. Uh, he's got so many, he's the, got the most penalties in a certain period of time or whatever, um, and he's a cheat. And, you know, that's very rich coming from Richard Keyes. Um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, just type in Richard keys cheat 
daughter's best friend. Okay, and uh, you might understand what I'm talking about. Anyway, um, but yes, look, um, Sterling got a. I don't know. It's a. It's a. It's a good record overall because yes, you might say someone go. People, he might go down too easily at times, but it also means that he he's causing a bit of mayhem and confusion and panic in opposition penalty areas, and that's why. You know, that's why you get fouled. That's why he got fouled yesterday. I, I think he did use his pace, uh, Colin, because um, he got past the first one easily and he just steamed past uh, uh, that defender. And it looked like, I think it, he, Sterling was slowing down. It looked like he was going to cross it. And I, I think the guy was just trying to get <coughs> blocking on what he thought was going to be a cross. And um, Sterling stopped and he just took him out. I don't, Sterling wasn't looking for it, I don't think. Um, and uh, it, was, it was a really poor ta- tackle. And then, uh, our Algerian prince, uh, and I don't care what you say, Mike. I love. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't care what you say about him and how much you think he's not good enough for this team. I. I. I I'll. Uh, I'll fight Maris's corner till the end. <laughs> um, but you know, he's, he's, he's taking great penalties. Whether you know, I actually thought he'd he'd do his, his usual side and um, hit it to the goalkeeper's left uh, high, like he did the last penalty. But he did it really well. He put it in the other side. And uh, to be honest, the disguise is there. Uh, goalie, but well, when you dive the wrong way, you've got no chance. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it was a well-taken penalty, that. Uh, uh, Bernard, it was a beautifully taken penalty. And the funny thing is, great minds must be thinking alike here because I was thinking exactly the same thing as Ray because um, <laughs> he, do, he, t- he does tend to favour uh, the other side of the the the. Uh, the goal, and I think that the, the goalkeeper knew that. Obviously, he went the wrong way, but um, Mara is um, he's getting a bit um, a bit a bit of consistency um, with these penalties. I think he's um, uh, if we're not counting the one that he missed for his national team, it's kind of like eight successive penalty uh, strikes. Um, yeah, it, yeah, it's getting pretty good, guys. Isn't it? I mean, I'm, I'm beginning when we get penalty now to think we're actually going to score it, which uh, we've not been able to do that for for quite a while. I mean, just quickly, just talking about Sterling. I think when he got fouled, I think he was doing his usual bringing it back inside, and I think well, that's why he ended up getting fouled. He hadn't stopped; he was sort of going to bring it back inside and then uh, put it across with his right foot. That's that's. Uh, I've looked back today, and that looks as though what he was doing. Yeah, but Mares, fantastic. I don't know where you know the Algerian penalty. I don't know if he tried where he tried to put that. Was it saved or did he miss? I, I'm not too sure. Does any any guys know that Algerian yeah. one? Where, we'll we'll check, that out, check that out for you. And we'll, yeah, we'll, I just want to go, as you said, the goalkeeper went the way, obviously, uh, Colin and Ray were saying there. They thought he, he would put it that way. And obviously, uh, uh, that's what they do. They have to do their own work. And as a goalkeeper, yeah, you would probably do that. You, you know, that's quite right. But I say it's a double bluff, isn't it, with penalty takers? You know, you can uh, sort of aim for one side three or four times and then put it to the other side. Or you can just just go one way, one the other. It, it's, it's, not, it's not easy, is it? You can't. Put it this way, you can't just stand on that spot and wait for Mares to kick it because by the time he's kicked it, you're not going to move. So you've got you've got to certainly be put in the top corner, which Mares is doing. But uh, it's great to see. I mean, I don't think I've been so happy getting a penalty since uh, Balotelli was taking them. To be honest with you, I think that's the last time I was confident that we would score penalties like like Mares is doing. Yeah, yeah. Mares, his penalty, what he did was he sent the goalkeeper the wrong way. He hit it to the goalie's left and it didn't hit it in the air. hit it um, along the ground and it hit the post. It was against Ivy yeah, Coast right. weeks ago. So he hit okay. the post. You know, he, he sent... I mean, the good thing was he sent the keeper the wrong way and he was easily beaten. But 
um, just to hit the post. I think that one, he, he spent a lot, a, a bit of time just waiting to be able to take the kick. And I don't know if that slightly put him off or, but he's usually, I think he's, he's generally very composed. So I'm yeah, a, yeah. a little bit surprised that um, that he you know hit the post that time. Yeah, I can just confirm that statistic that we mentioned earlier as well. Uh, it is 23 goals. So Raheem Sterling has now won the most uh, penalties in Premier League history uh, with uh, 23. Of course, attracting the attention of the beloved um, Mr. Keys. <laughs> um, fantastic. Uh, we 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 really needed that. We got the goal. Uh, we got it at, at a good time, obviously. But there was a little bit of a um, a bit of drama before the first half ended, and that uh, Colin was uh, something that looked a bit worrying actually when uh, Ederson went down with a head injury, and we were all kind of thinking, "Oh my gosh." Is he going to end up wearing a skull cap um, because of that? What was that all about? Uh, well, it was a Brentford attack, a rare Brentford attack, uh, that, that they got the ball through. And Edison dived on it and the Brentford player wasn't far behind and, and kind of ran into him. Uh, I don't think there was any malicious intent particularly. I think it was too close to stop. But yeah, it did look worrying for a while. And, the, you know, the, 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 the medical team came straight on and the stretcher was out and... Uh, but our head is made of sterner stuff. Mm-hmm. That's right. He did get up. And so we uh, we uh, went in uh, a 1-0 up and um, out we came um, into the second well, half. Sorry, but before sorry. we do that, uh, we're, I'm just about to anticipate sorry, this uh, comment by, by saying, are there any other things you'd like to talk about? <laughs> in the first half? Uh, there, there, yeah, there was one incident right near the end of the first half. Um, Sterling, um, again, we broke quickly. We had a good attack. Um, Sterling got beyond the, the, the back line, uh, got it to, I think, about just outside the, the six-yard box, outside the side of the six-yard box. I can't remember who it was. It might have been De Bruyne or Foden was um, was clear on the other side. Uh, and Sterling, for some reason, st- instead of crossing the ball, which would have been an, a cert- almost certain goal, he, he hesitated and, and, and eventually the ball was blocked, which... Um, uh, you know, I think brought a few groans from the people around me because it was uh, it, it's a sort of goal we score day in, day out almost. Uh, you know, get get that ball beyond the back line, cross it, someone at the back post uh, and Sterling just seemed to freeze. I, I, uh, I, I don't know what was in his mind, but that, that was um, a bit of a strange one. A- any other items about the first half before we move on, guys? Just about that, no. that Edison injury was um, what... Uh, what happened for the, for Brentford to have the chance was a crossfield pass across the from one side of the oh, yeah, uh, pitch to the other. Stones, I think he chested it and then he slipped. He, you know, some people said he lost control or um, he miscontrolled it. I think it was more it's of a, a slip. Pass. Sorry, it was a bad pass. I don't think the pass. I honestly don't think the pass was too bad because what in you know, Stones controlled it and then he slipped. If he hadn't uh, slipped then the Brentford wouldn't have got the opportunity because basically Stones was on the floor uh, and that gave the uh, Brentford uh, player, uh, was it Henry, um, a chance to make up six or seven yards and, and uh, get the ball past it, get the one-two. Uh, and then Edison saved the first shot, give him credit. I mean, I think Henry, he he took a touch, which instead of helping the ball get in front of him, he kind of went behind him, kind of, and he had to try and dig it out instead of having a good shot. Um, and I, look, we were lucky, and you know, as I said, some people blamed um, Stones. I think it was just unfortunate slip. Um, but yeah, I mean, Edison, it looked it looked bad at the time um, because you don't know exactly what's happened. Uh, fortunately, I think he got a 
he's, he looked like he had a, a thick ear, um, you know, like your mum used to give you as a kid. But his, his ear looked pretty red. I think that's where he got clobbered. But, uh, you know, yeah, I, I think, I think, I think that uh, that smiley face he had under his ear turned <laughs> to a frown, didn't it? I think, if I, if I remember rightly. <laughs> Well, that was the first half, um, and uh, the the I I found that the uh, the first ten minutes of the second half, guys, was very exciting, because um, this this period um, basically won uh, Cancelo uh, Bernard the player of the game. Now, this is quite weird actually, because people are saying that this is one of the very few times where a player who d- didn't score a goal or didn't have an assist. Uh, wins uh, man of the match and he was universally given that particular uh, honour um, let's talk a little bit about what uh, Cancelo began to to do uh, Bernard in the, in the at the beginning of the second half well it wasn't universal mate I did I didn't give him man of the match so it certainly, it certainly wasn't universal that's, nobody that's cares sure. about your opinion Bernard <laughs> well exactly I mean what, what does that matter I don't we're care we're talking about well, the, on, the, 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 the famous <laughs> journalists <laughs> I mean, the actual thing was with Cancelo in the first half. He was pretty annoying. He was overhitting yeah. crosses. He wasn't. He wasn't beating the first man. He was. He was pretty bad in the first half, to to be honest with you. But obviously, in the second half, things started to click and things started to go right, including a a, a sort of King Kladzi-esque run into the box where he beat about three players. But his finish was. I think. I think the commentator on the City thing said um, he remarked, "Oh, it was." Um, Oh God, the ex City player wasn't it? I can't remember his name now. Uh, said it was Brown, a bit like Peter. Sorry, is it Michael Brown? Yeah. No, no, no. One no. of the older guy. I can't. Remember. I'll. He'll come to me in a bit. But he, he said it was like watching the old Peter Barnes. Oh, well, it wasn't. Wasn't quite Peter Barnes. But uh, there you go. But yeah, it was a great little run. And he's. It's a shame that his finish wasn't a little bit better. It was a bit, a bit of a weak finish. But uh, yeah, he, he suddenly what wasn't working in the first half. Uh, Cancelo was making it work in the second half. You know, he was getting some shots in, and he was unlucky with a couple of shots as well. So yeah, I'd, I'd agree. If he hadn't, if, uh, for me, he was probably my second man of the match. If you can have a second man of the match, but uh, yeah, it was a tale of two halves, for Mr. Cancelo. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. Ray, talk to me about Cancelo. Um, he uh, he he had an, a, an absolutely rasping shot on fifty first minute, and then, as Bernard mentioned, this amazing slaloming run. Was that, um, was that a rasping shot? The one that hit someone in the back and went. Um... <laughs> A little bit wide. No, no, it was, it was a good shot. I think in the, I remember two or three powerful shots, uh, one or two in the first half, which weren't near the goal, and then a, a really one that looked like it was going to, it could have done some damage, but it hit someone in the back and went out for a corner. And then that slalom run where he got the ball just outside the box, down down the left hand side. He took. Uh, his defender, which I think was the one that fouled Sterling, uh, and then very quickly he was like um, uh, uh, um, I don't know how to say a zigzag. So you, you go, what you get past someone one way, then you flick it the other way past the second guy. The first guy came back, Concello controlled it away from him. Another guy there, he shimmied one way, went the other, and he'd got past three players, uh, and it just needed a finish. I was there, ready to get, get on social media and, and tell Mo Salah where to stick it and all that um, <laughs> and unfortunately he kind of fell over when he was having the shot and hit it into the ground it was a real duff duff shot a homer simpson duff shot um and uh it was straight at the keeper but it would have been some finish it would have been some goal he, and and once again you'd have had um obviously the city fans saying he's the best fullback in the world and all that um 
But it's it's he had he had a decent game, and and that's what he can do. He can he can shoot with his left, shoot with his right. He's he's shown that many times. Um, gets the crosses in, some good crosses. Um, and he's he's a danger all the time. And as as one of the commentators said, I think it was on BT. I think they said they said he's no fullback. You know, um, and, and a lot of the time he was playing midfield. I remember looking at the, the pitch at one point in the first half, and we basically had three men at the back, and Cancelo was in midfield, um, partly because Brentford weren't offering anything up front, and uh, Cancelo generally spends his time in midfield. Mm-hmm. That's right. Just a little bit after that, um, Bernardo tried to get in in the action as well. He had a, 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 a powerful long-range shot, but unfortunately it's straight at the goalkeeper. That was on the 58th minute. Um, so uh, very, very promising uh, at this point, and Colin, did you feel that the second one was uh, was coming? Yeah, I mean, it's always a worry when you're only 1-0 up. I mean, Brentford weren't very adventurous. We had the majority of the, of the uh, possession. They were sitting back. Um, you know, th- there was one, since, I think it was in the first half, one where Edison had the ball. He was well out of his area. And, and no Brentford player came anywhere near him. He just stood there for about 10 seconds with the ball. So it, it didn't didn't necessarily feel we're in much danger, but there's always the danger when you want it a lot, but, but felt the second was coming. But again, the, the strange thing was normally if we've had a bit of a slow first half. We come out the second half, we come out, we come out of the blocks quite quickly. And again, we didn't, we kept that slow methodical pace, but we, we were much more, I think we were much more on top in that second half than we had been in the first half. So uh, it, it was only a matter of time, I think. And uh, but but in the end, we needed a Brentford uh, mistake to to do it. Yeah, and things started to happen uh, in in from from the hour mark on, and I was really disappointed because my Daleks, Godos and Canos, they were they were substituted off one of the, one of the replacements, a guy called Imbuemo, uh, Imbuemo, and uh, we he came on, uh, created. Um, a good chance, and we actually got to see some um, some defending from uh, KDB way back there. I was wondering, oh my goodness, that, that was a good piece of defending from uh, Kevin De Bruyne, uh, ass- assisted of course by John Stones. And uh, I'm just want to, I'm interested to talk just a little bit about John Stones because someone put up, um, you know, one of these kind of uh, compilations of his actions from the match where they put together all his his good points. And um, something struck me about that. I mean, so many of these little uh, clips from the game showed um, that uh, Stones um, Bernard has got quite some aerial prowess. Um, I mean, obviously he injured himself at uh, one time when he clattered to the ground, but he was um, he, he's very good at anticipating, you know, lofted balls uh, forward and getting well above, you know, t- Tony Adams, like, you know, doing the header forward. And he was actually venturing forward quite a lot as well. Um, what do you reckon about John Stones in this game? Yeah, it's interesting because we talked about Walker early on, didn't we, about looking at the potential for the Champions League. But another another thing I was thinking that when I was sort of looking at my, my, my thing today was that I think Pep knows that Stones, Laporte and Diaz, they all really should be playing because they're all good enough to play. And that's his problem. He's trying to. He's got to try and shoe on all three in because one of them, one or more of them, is going to be unhappy if they're not getting game time. And this has been happening with Stones, isn't it? He's not been playing very much recently. 
So uh, that was another reason I thought he, he tried to do this. And the thing is with John Stones, I think he's got so much potential to do a lot more as well than what he does. And as you, you've isolated there, I mean, when I was watching the game back today, uh, the amount of times he gets up that pitch and lays nice balls off for someone else to do something something with it, but he's up there getting the ball and winning it in the air, winning it on the ground. Uh, that little slip he had in the first half. He actually did a slip a few games ago as well. I don't know if you remember, guys. He, he was so the, he needs some longer studs in his boots. I think that's that's his problem because same like thing Rooney. happened. Like yeah, like, he, like when Wayne Rooney, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he just needs something because he has done that once or twice, so that that's not a good sign. But no, he's a great player. Is it? You know me, I always bang the drum for John Stones. He's my Diaz and Stones every day of the week for me, and he's a great player. And I think I think he can. He, I think Pep is thinking about utilizing him in other positions as well. And I think I think that's what he'll that's what he'll do going forward because he is he has he's a very talented guy, and he's he's had his problems, of course he has, but at the moment I think he's flying. Do you think we could try and do play three at the back occasionally where you've got Diaz in the middle, Laporte on the left and Stones on the right? Because Cancelo's already in midfield um, yeah. and you could either put Walker out wide and use his pace to go down the line. Do you think that's a possibility? Yeah, because I mean, like, obviously Stones is, you know, you think everyone's praising Cancelo and what he's doing, which is quite right in the way he's playing. But uh, you, in John Stones, you have a very similar sort of character. He can do it in a slightly different way. He hasn't, you know, he's not got the silky smoothness, perhaps, of uh, Cancelo when he's on he's on a run. But hey, you know, like, you're quite right, Ray. I mean, I think, and I think Pep will utilise him in different ways because it'd be great to have all three playing uh, for most of the games. And I think that's what Pep is working towards, to be honest with you. Two things I I remember from last season, Stones was the best um, carrier of the ball out from the back. He was the one who was entrusted with the ball. When there's a gap, he's the one that went with it and went deep into the opposition's half. And the second thing that I remember, he was the one who, when the ball's in the air outside the box, Stones goes to get it. Stones is the man who goes to get it. Uh, if it's inside the box, then it's Diaz. Diaz goes to, uh, for the headers and Stones uh, lays off. And, and that, that's just what I remember from last season. And it's a, it's a shame, you know, that the excellence that Stones showed last season, the consistent high standards that he set and, uh, you know, obviously consistent. He was doing it again and again and again. We've not had the opportunity to see him this season because, you know, Laporte started off OK. And we weren't conceding too many goals. And then it's like, well, Laporte's got the spot now for the foreseeable. I think unless Laporte makes a, a few bad mistakes in um, in, a, in a short space of time, in a few you know, consecutive games, I think Stone's gonna have to, is going to have to bide his time unless Pep can shoehorn him in somewhere. Mm. Yeah, yeah, guys, just to clear up that little reference that I and Ray made uh, about the studs, you probably read um, about uh, Wayne Rooney uh, saying that he, he actually intended... Uh, in a game against Chelsea to really uh, hurt them by ch- choosing really long studs. And uh, <laughs> it, it, he was quite successful as well because he got, I think he, he he basically got John Terry out of the game by standing on his his foot. It just shows the nasty little so-and-so that, uh, that Rooney is. But um, what he also mentioned was that uh, in, in when he when he played against Arsenal, he was so impressed, you know, by the height of them um, until, of course, he... That's, uh, you know, when he was playing for Everton, of course, until he scored that wonder goal uh, against David Seaman, of course. And um, but I, I'm actually impressed, Colin. I, I, I know I've got an eye for the aesthetics, but our our back six, if you include Rodri, 
with whatever four <laughs> defenders you want. And uh, Ederson, very tall guys, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you, you look at the um, the shrimps we had up front, you know, uh, Foden, Sterling, Bernardo, um, who else was up there? But, but you know, uh, yeah, they are big guys. Yeah, I mean, it's just a lovely balance, isn't it? Well, guys, a couple of minutes um, uh, after that, um, we had um, Mares replaced by Grealish. And I was in the middle of this text uh, and I had to cancel it because... Um, KDB scored. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But what I was just going to, what I was trying to text at the time on Twitter was, surely, you know, this is the 67th minute when that substitute was made. Surely this is the time for Grealish to, 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 you know, put a stamp on the on the game and really show us what he's got. Didn't happen. Um, but I did, as I said, I, I didn't even get to finish that text because as I was halfway through it, boom, there's goal. Perhaps. Um, Ray, you could tell us a little bit about this goal. Yeah, Brentford were trying to play the ball around at the back. It's always a risky thing, and that's one of the good things about Pep, what he's brought to to to, to the Premier League. And one of the bad things about Pep, because teams who aren't good enough to play around the back uh, are trying to play around the back, and that's a problem. So we we saw, uh, I think, uh, the ball had been uh, played to the keeper. He played it to a defender who passed it to another out wide who knocked it back to the keeper. And the keeper was looking around to to pass it to. And there's a player in, in in plenty of space. And I don't know how he just passed it directly to Raheem Sterling, who is you know probably four or five yards away from uh, the Brentford player and nearer to the goal. So as soon as Sterling got it, a couple of touches, he was in the box. He really should have done better. You know, I think that's a frustration for for many City fans that you've got a chance to beat the keeper, put the game to bed. And he pretty much hit it almost directly at the keeper. It was a really poor shot. Keeper parried it, and KDB he scored a goal. And, but the thing is, if you saw it from behind the, the net, you just at the time you thought, oh, you, you know, he just tapped it in. But there's a lot of skill involved if you actually watch it from behind KDB. The the angle he got on it, the the way he he placed it so it went around the keeper along on the floor uh, and had enough pace to get in. So it's actually a well taken goal, but. You know, I mean, it was a gift for, for KDB, which, um, you know, he, he gladly took. I think it slightly glossed over the game he, he had, which I don't think was a, a brilliant game. But he's going to walk away with scoring a goal, and that's what people are going to remember. But Brentford, you know, on, really, they, they shot themselves in the, in, in you know, once in the first half in one foot and in the second half in the other because, you know, the, the goals we scored were, were basically their mistakes. Well, um, gift you may say, uh, Ray, but I actually thought it, it wasn't like an absolute easy um, uh, sh- uh, strike to, to make. But anyway, let's have some thoughts from uh, Bernard and, um, and Colin about this, um, this particular incident. Go on, Col. Uh, yeah, well, well, obviously, Bernard and I are down the other end of the, the ground. And um, I say that you could see that Sterling getting the ball. And, and I must admit, when I first saw it, I thought Sterling had made a complete mess of it, uh, you know, in typical Sterling fashion. Having having seen the goal back, um, I don't think it was quite as bad as I thought it was at the time. But uh, yeah, I mean, KDB took it, uh, took his shot, which is a more difficult one, uh, very well, didn't he? But it looked yeah, like yeah, yeah, I think, I think KDB actually. Sorry, Carl. 
Yeah, I think uh, KDB actually, if you think about how he took it, he played it like a pass, didn't he? He played it as always passing it through yeah. the back line and he, he, more, he more or less passed it into the goal, which was suitable for KDB to do. He didn't have to get power on it. All he had to do was put a nice little uh, side foot uh, in, into the spaces and that's what he's good at and that's what he did. It was, it was absolutely brilliant. Just well taken from KDB. Some other players may not have been able to do that, to be honest with you. Um, that made it uh, 2-0. Not a lot happened after that, but um, we're going to throw it open to the guys. There was a couple of thunderbolts from um, another from Cancelo and, and Rodri. But um, anything else you, that you want to say about this um, second half? I'm, I must say, I must want to say about Brentford. I've never seen so many offsides in a game for a while. I mean, that shows a lack of. Uh, but I don't know if he's actually not experienced, I suppose. I'm not sure that the team wasn't that weak they put out last night. But uh, I'll tell you what, the, line, the linesmen were kept busy uh, with the flags. That, that's that's one thing for sure For sure last night. Oh, and that commentator I was talking about before with uh, compared uh, Cancelo to uh, Peter Barnes was uh, Andy Morrison. That was the, that was the guy. <laughs> <laughs> OK, any other observations before we move on to a few more other matters? No. Nope. Well, I well, I think um, as much as Grealish isn't doing anything on the pitch, I thought it was absolutely lovely, lovely the way <laughs> he, he treats fans. Um, now, he, yeah. I I know that you might that some people might say, well, it doesn't take much for a player to do that. He makes a point of it, and uh, there was a, a really heartwarming thing that I saw. There's this lovely, very excited girl, you know, um, that he you know he not only signed the shirt for, but went around and gave her a bit of a hug as well. And uh, that was really, really nice. He he is a a nice guy off the pitch, um, and I I was you know impressed by that. Guys, that's a hundred clean sheets for Pep. And uh, uh, let me give you a, a few more statistics. That in the league? Sorry, Sorry, Mac, is that just in the league? Hundred clean uh, sheets in the league. I'm not entirely sure, Ray, but it's a hundred clean clean sheets for Pep. And I think that one of the interesting things about that stat is that he brought that up in. Um, the same amount of games that it took Ferguson uh, to do it at United way back when. So if you're talking about where Pep stands in the pantheon pantheon of of, of British managers, that that tells you something. Um, a few more statistics and, and uh, possibly a few pop quiz questions uh, for you. Here's an interesting one. Um, Maris, uh that's the eighth time in the Premier League for Man City that a player has scored um, five consecutive. Uh, Premier League goals. There were seven occasions that that had been done before Mahrez did it. Who did it before? Sorry, can you repeat the question? I, I yeah. missed a little. <laughs> yeah, so, that, that, so Mahrez has scored five consecutive Premier League goals in mm-hmm. the Premier League, right? That's the eighth time that it's been done um, in the Premier League. Yeah, in the, in the Premier League era, right? Where a player has scored five consecutive goals in consecutive games. Now there were seven times that that had been done before, where a player scored in five consecutive games. Can you name the, the people who did it? Well, uh, Jamie Vardy. No, for City. Well, that's why I asked you <laughs> again because you said in Premier. Because uh, I well, thought there was. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, your silence uh, is quite revealing, guys, because the seven times that has been done before, it was Aguero who did it all seven times. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Let's uh, test Colin Savage with his great historical (laughs) knowledge. Man City have completed a league double 
over Brentford for the first time since when? Oh, I know this. No, I don't. 1950, isn't it? Nope. 1937. 36-37 season is correct, in which we went on to win our first first title. Okay. There you go. I think we're, someone, we're, we're, someone's, been reading, someone's been reading Gary James's bit. No, no, no. <laughs> just worked it out because that was a season I think we Brentford were quite close to winning the league that season. So he had a piece in the program last night about it. So uh, yeah, we're all right on that one. <laughs> okay. Well, here's another one for you. Um, City have scored 771 goals at the Etihad. That's the best ratio of any side at a specific venue in the league. How many Premier League games? Is that is that just in the Premier League? Yep. Okay. 771 goals. The best ratio of any side at a specific venue. Of course, the Etihad. How many Premier League games has it taken? And I, I'll give you, you can be within five. <laughs> Get out of it, mate. <laughs> All right. Okay. Let's say Seven, with, with, 42 I'm going for. Games. Games that it takes... games. No, no, no. How many games has it taken them to score yeah. those 771 goals? Colin said 742. How much? 770 games to score 771 goals. All right, OK. I, I will, uh, we've been in the Premier League for about 24 seasons, 25 seasons, let's say. You play 40 games a season. No, what? The Etihad. Also, we've been in the Etihad since 2003. That's 18, 20 seasons, 20 times, 20, 36, 750. Let's knock off. If this is a 20, oh, just got to work this. Give me a second. This is our 20th <laughs> season there. So 19 times. Wait, guys, give me a second. It's going to be. Oh, guys, give me give me a second. Uh, uh, oh, you're going to give me a give me a break. 40 times 19 is 760. Um, take off a 38. Oh, give me a chance. 760, 722. I will say 722. Uh, sorry. I'll, sorry. 714. No, no. Absolutely no chance. Do you know why? <laughs> We don't. We only play nineteen games at home a season. So from seven hundred, I'll go to three hundred and sixty. Three hundred and sixty. And I tell you what, I'm the closest without even trying to work it out properly. These guys are on seven hundred. I'll say three sixty. I want my prize sent to uh, Manchester, please, Mike. Okay, it's three hundred and fifty-three Premier League games. Ooh, that and they've scored 770. Do you know what? If I bothered to work it out, I'd have taken off the extra games that we've got left this season that I didn't take off. So I'd have been very, very close. I want a prize, Mike. Prize. <laughs> yeah. okay. Can I have yeah, some I'll... bubble? No, I want that Sammy Nasri shirt, man. That Sammy Nasri shirt. <laughs> you're, you're not having that. Um, hey, guys, you can't see it now, but Mike's blown me a kiss. For one. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, anyway... Um, so if you if you were Michaela, I wouldn't mind, but not Mike. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, um, guys, that's me out of my uh, little stats and, and factoids. Um, perhaps we could um, uh, talk about a few other city-related things. Um, Bernard, uh, who's up next? Yeah, well, we've got uh, we're at Carroll Road, aren't we? Five thirty p.m. kickoff on uh, Saturday. 
I'll be I'll be your correspondent there again on Saturday. I'm looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, interesting game. Norwich Norwich have uh, ended back in the bottom three again. Obviously, I think uh, Colin will do his State of the Union sort of thing. But uh, the next five or six games, they've got uh, some interesting games. I think they play three of the bottom clubs uh, over the next six games. So it's going to be very very interesting. But let's hope we can do the business and not get beat three two like the last time we, we visited Carroll, which wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't the greatest game in the world, was it, guys? Let's be honest about it. But uh, yeah, so uh, looking looking forward to that. That Norwich game, I was going to say that I took my eldest lad to his first away game that wasn't at Wembley. I mean, he'd been to Wembley loads of times uh, because uh, obviously that, we know that's Etihad South there every other week. Uh, but that was the first time I took him to an away game. We got beat, and I've uh, never taken him again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay, well, um, let's go to Colin's uh, State of the Union, uh, guys, so we can uh, do what we always do. Uh, uh, we can have t- take a look at the table and talk about um, any interesting results. I've just learned, because uh, I haven't been um, watching TV tonight, Liverpool are beating Leicester 2-0, pretty predictable, really. Arsenal with a 1-0 win over a Wolves. Um, yeah. What do you think of the situation, uh, Colin? Well, it's interesting, because the Arsenal win at, at Wolves, a good win, because Wolves are doing quite well, um, puts them ahead of Manchester United on goal difference. So, so the Rangnick revolution has catapulted United from six to um, six. Um, <laughs> and uh, of course, Spurs, of course, let us down with a defeat at home to Southampton. Uh, but we know Southampton are a decent team. But um, so, so that they're three points behind United. With two games in hand, Arsenal are level on goal dif- uh, level on points ahead on goal difference, and they've got a game in hand over United. West Ham currently occupy the uh, fourth spot, but they play two games more than Arsenal uh, and, uh, and are a point ahead of them. So, you know, if Arsenal can keep that up, they're looking good for a top four spot, which I wouldn't have predicted for them um, at, at the start of the season. So, um, and Tottenham. Dis- Tottenham are Tottenham, aren't they? Let's be honest. You know, you can never rely on them to do anything reliable. Um, apart from the is, they're, all, they're all within striking distance of Chelsea as well now. You know, Arsenal yeah, got yeah. two games in hand. If they win well, them, they're two points yeah, behind. Yeah, Arsenal got two games in hand. So Arsenal, if they win those two games in hand, six points, two points behind Chelsea. Yeah. Um, Spurs have got three Spurs, games in hand. Yeah, could be the same. But, yeah, right. it could be interesting. It could be interesting. Um Big, big uh, battle for the top four. Um, you know, Brighton, Southampton have, have both moved up into the into the top half. Um, Leicester have dropped into the bottom half. They're really on a pretty poor run. But I think the interesting stuff is at the bottom, of course. Um, uh, you know, Burnley drew one all with Manchester United, which um, Burnley will be disappointed with. <laughs> you, know, you should be beating those those weak teams. Um, They've got a lot of games in hand. That's their only solace, really, at the moment. Yeah, they've got uh, well, they've got twenty games, fourteen points. Watford are above them, twenty-two games, fifteen points. So they only have to, uh, and the, what Burnley have got would put a goal difference. So they only have to um, draw one of the games in hand to pull up a Watford, but they, they need to get five points, catch up five points uh, to get above Newcastle, uh, of which they've only got two games in hand. So basically, they've got to win their two games in hand over Newcastle to get out the bottom three. And, of course, Everton have now slipped into into uh, touching distance of the um, relegation places. But they've played 21 games on 19 points. Newcastle, they're in 16th. Newcastle, 17th, played 22, 18 points. 
Then Norwich played 23, 17 points. Watford played 22, 15 points. Burnley played 20, 14 points. I think uh, the next team is Leeds on 23 um, points from 22 games. I think you'd struggle to see them and Brentford, who are also on 23, getting sucked into that relegation battle. So, so potentially it looks like um, three from five now, unless one of Brentford or Leeds do something completely stupid. Um, so, yeah, it, it's interesting. Newcastle are now... Yeah, I mean, Brentford, Colin, I mean, Brentford have lost the last five and obviously they've played yeah. one or two games more than the teams below them as well. So they it's could... Difficult. I don't think Leeds will, but Brentford could get sucked back in if they don't get a couple of wins on not the board. Well. They could, but it depends on, it depends on three, three of those five teams going on a winning run. Yeah, um, but, yeah but Newcastle have just won two and drawn the previous... Two before yeah. that, so they've got eight points out of the last five games. Norwich, who you know we're thinking, oh Norwich, they've won two and drawn one of their last three league games, and they won the game in the cup as well. So they're on a decent run. They've won three out of the last four games, um, and it's just Watford and Burnley who were, you know, who look like they're almost doomed. But Watford have just got um, what's his face, um, 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 Roy Hodgson. Sorry, Roy Hodgson. That's the one. Um, and, um, you know, you, you never know. Maybe he can stop them leaking goals. That's their biggest problem. They were all right scoring goals, um, but they were leaking them. So any, I always think anything can change. I mean, you know, we, we looked down at Norwich, but they beat us um, a couple of seasons ago. So, you know, why can't they, they? They're in a good bit of form at the moment. It's not going to be easy going out uh, down there and, you know, trying to get the win. But... You just need to look at Newcastle. It wasn't so, honestly, it wasn't so long ago. Newcastle were on eight points, eight points after 18 games. They're on eight points. No, sorry, yeah, yeah. 10 points, 10 points after 18 games. And now they're, and they were cut adrift. And now they're outside the bottom three. You'd expect them with their new signings to be able to keep going forward and, and actually get away from that bottom area. So I actually think Brentford are at risk. Um, Everton. Uh, and um, the teams that are in the bottom three at the moment, Newcastle just seem to be, um, you know, on, on a positive vein of form. Everton are uh, disastrous form. I don't think Frank Lampard's uh, the the right person for Everton. I yeah. can see them being in the bottom three in uh, in, in a month's time. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, I, I guys, I think most of us would be quite confident of of scraping a win against Norwich. Uh, does anyone know who Liverpool have next? Don't do you care really, Mike? Well, because if they win their game in hand, they Burnley playing the way to Burnley, right? Sunday. Okay, I see. No, I'm just I'm just saying that um, you know if they obviously if they win their game in hand, um, they're going to be. If you look at their their league games coming up, they've got Burnley at home, uh, then they got Norwich at home, then they got um, Leeds at home. Burnley away, Burnley away, Ray. Sorry, Burnley away. Then. uh, Norwich at home, Leeds at home. You know, it's, I think you know the, the three wins there. Then they got Arsenal away, which I think uh, I know that's been postponed because it's the um, Carabao Cup final, isn't it? Around then, and then, but then they got Chelsea away. Um, so I, 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 and then um, West Ham. No, Chelsea, also. Chelsea's the cup cup match, uh, right? Oh, sorry, that's that's the one that's replaced the. Oh, you're yeah. more clued up than me, Bernard. But I think they got you know by the looks of it three four. League games where you think, yeah, they're going to win them. So, you know, they're going to keep the pressure on us. There's absolutely no doubt about that. They're going to, we're going to go, I think, into March with Liverpool winning um, regularly. 
Um, and then the the hardest game I can see on their horizon, well, it's not even hard. You know, they've got teams like uh, West Ham at home, uh, Brighton away, United um, at home. And I don't think, actually, they've got a tough game until they get you get into April when they're playing City. I just think we've just got to keep winning. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I, I'm just making the point that, obviously, it's a nine-point gap at the minute. But realistically, when they catch up, it'll be six. So... Pressure will be on. I mean, City are not quite running a, 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 as running away uh, well, with it. As it's, a, it's a good thing for the media to see all oh, City 11 points clear, 12 points clear and all this. It's all over. I heard it on the TV tonight uh, before the Liverpool game. So the league's uh, almost over, you know. And um, But it's only six points, really. They want it to be, I, I think there's part of them that they want it to be a massive gap. As big as to exaggerate the the reality of that that gap, so that if Liverpool do come back and get it and, and you know win the title, it'll be an amazing comeback from twelve points behind and City bottled it and all this rubbish. And and and, and honestly, really, we were all maximum eight points ahead. You know, when you look at those games in hand, so it's not as it is. It's not over. It's never over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, just one of the reasons that I I, I just uh, brought this up. It's quite interesting, Ray, obviously about the way that they, they do hype us because they'd love to bring us down. I, I was reading the um, the match report for City's earlier game against Brentford. Brentford. Now, at that particular time, um, we won it 1-0 uh, narrowly. Um, and uh, the situation uh in the league at that time was that we were um, eight points ahead of Chelsea in second and uh, nine points ahead of Liverpool, who had a game in hand. And Alan Shearer said that if we, w- if after that Brentford, the earlier Brentford game, if we w- won our next two games against um, uh, who, who was it? against uh, Arsenal and Chelsea, which we we did, then the title race will be over said Shearer. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, it's, it's 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 interesting the way people love to call it um, nice and early. Well, nice look, look, look at them. They said the title race was, you know, we were not in it last season when we were so far behind um, uh, Liverpool. You know, you, you saw one uh, one of the biggest uh, Twitter accounts, sporting Twitter accounts out there that were, were calling the league um, over after one game, their first game of the season. Um, if I need to explain, that's Man United after the first game of the season, which they, they beat Leeds, I think, and they were clear uh, after only two teams had played or four teams had played, and they were they were saying, "Have a look at this table." Um, but you know, so so many times things have been called when there was no real justification for it, and you know, eight, we've seen we've seen it ourselves as City. Eight points is nothing really. Mm-hmm. It is indeed. Um, well, uh, guys, uh, just before we finish, I'll just uh, quickly ask if there is any other business. Uh, if there isn't, we'll we'll finish here. But uh, if there's anything that you've noticed, anything you want to comment upon, I'll just give you the opportunity. Anything, guys? Very, very briefly, Chloe Kelly signed an extension to her contract for two years. Uh, she's been injured this season. She, I think, did a knee ligaments in uh, last season. Um, and uh, so it's, it's great because she's a fantastic player place for England on the wing. Uh, so we've got the two England wingers playing for City and another one coming through in uh, Jess Park. And uh, it's, it's great. And Chloe Kelly, I think, has just started training on, on grass again. So hopefully she'll be back at some point before the end of the season. Yep. 
Um, also, a good piece of uh, news is that obviously Cole Palmer and Gabby J weren't available for this uh, game that we've been talking about, but Pep says that um, Gabriel Jesus is very, very close to a return. It's nothing serious. Not much uh, more information on Cole Palmer, but um, there you have it. Well, guys, I think we'll probably stop here and uh, thank the guys for uh, coming on and uh, wish um, uh, Bernard a great time at... Um, at Carroll Road um, for the next game, uh, after which we'll be back with you again. So, um, first of all, Colin Savage, thank you very much for coming on. It's a pleasure. And, uh, you know, a trip to Norwich, what you're presumably doing the coach there and back, Bernard, is... Uh, yeah, well, unfortunately, I mean, it's a bit of a bind, isn't it? But there you go. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much, Bernard, for coming on. Yeah, it's always a pleasure, mate. And, uh, yeah, well, let's let's bring those three points back from uh, from East Anglia. Well, make sure you do that, brother. Make sure you do that. And it's also thank you very much to Ray. Thanks for coming on, Ray. Uh, pleasure's all mine, Meg. All right. Thank you very much, guys. We'll be back with you after the next game, hopefully, as well. And uh, we'll finish off in the normal way by saying have one on us and up the blues. <laughs>